Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. We are back looking at Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man, the place where this whole MCU kicked off. And uh, returning to us one last time is Robert Black from the Michael Myers Minute. Hey, Robert. Hello. Nice to be back. Uh, So today we're looking at Minute 13, which starts with Pepper Potts reminding Tony why she's allowed to have plans (laughs) and ends with Rhodey reminding Tony that they were supposed to leave three hours ago. (laughs) This is a great moment that we have between Tony and Pepper. I really like what we uh, what really unfolds before us in uh, the kind of the first half of this minute. Yeah, it establishes their relationship really well, even separate from the minute before. Yeah, the, fir- the the last minute really was a lot of him dealing with her and the schedule that she was trying to keep and everything. And and this moment when he is reminded that it's her birthday, there the the transition of the scene really shifts to this this place where he is reminded of who she is as a person and that this whole idea of birthdays and there's this sense of caring. It's this hint of attraction, but never really dealt with in any strong way. It's just, there's just, there's subtext of yeah. this respect for each other as people that goes beyond the working relationship. And I feel that that helps so much cement everything that we had seen before, because this really is the reason why uh, she's still working for him. And these three minutes together are nice for Pepper, because it's like, we see Pepper at work dealing with Christine. We see Pepper in business mode with Tony, and now it's like Pepper in personal mode with Tony. Like right in a row, we're getting different sides of Pepper. And there's a great, just second two of this minute, there's a great music cue to like show that transition. On the soundtrack, I think it's the song Vacation's Over sounds kind of like it, but I'm not sure. I thought it might have like some love theme title, but they don't have a love theme because they're not together yet. But it's it feels like that. Like this is their theme as it starts and they get personal. It was a little tricky trying to pinpoint the various music cues. I, I couldn't find this one specifically either, but but yeah, I, I thought maybe it could be that one. But it's it's hard to tell because I felt like there are certain cues that are really obvious and and other ones where Ramin Jawadi probably wrote a lot of additional music because some of these cues are super short. Like this cue lasts less than a minute. I mean, it's it's all in this particular minute before he's really in the car. It's 17 seconds. Yeah. And so I, I just, <laughs> that's not the sort of track that you're going to get on a, on a soundtrack album, yeah. but it helps the moment. I really do oh, yeah. like the track. And also I feel like Gwyneth Paltrow, just the way that she plays the scene is just so, uh, so smart and so sweet. And I love the little beat that she has when he says, buy yourself something nice. And she says, oh, I already did. And she has a look on her face just very briefly, like, I don't want to say guilt, but like I I did it and it's like I didn't check with you, but I assume it's okay. Yeah. And then it, of course, it is okay, but it's just a brief moment. Yeah. And his look on his face, he's okay with it. Yeah. Right. He's fine. He wants to know what it is. Yes. Right. But we don't get to find out here. No. No. We do find out that he does not sign the paperwork that she says, I really need (laughs) you to sign. (laughs) Nope. What she does do, which I think is such a strange thing, is. She basically reminds him that he needs to get moving along. She taps his his Demitas with her pen. Yeah, with her pen. Because <laughs> you hear the little ding, which is such a funny little uh, sound moment. But uh, she taps it. He fake drinks it and, give, and <laughs> yeah, with a loud slurp. <laughs> gives her the cup. 
And and that's that moment. It's a fun little thing. And, I, you know, so he walks out. And I'm like, okay, so maybe, maybe there's a moment as they're leaving, as she's walking with him back to the car where she gets him to sign. And, I mean, it's not something that you really need to see, right? Or, alternatively, maybe this is how she makes sure he leaves. Tell him he has to sign something. <laughs> and he runs. <laughs> anything to avoid that it's like i don't want to say anything that's your job that is funny that's a that's a, a funny idea but i don't know if i'd put it past tony to uh that's, to that's that. why he puts her in charge of the company in the later films because he's he's done with signing yes, things. I, i'm not going to sign anything else i like it i like that that line of thinking and then he leaves any last little thoughts yep. about all of this before we jump into the car with him no i, I love this exchange especially because this is still the first film and spoilers their relationship takes a long time to build right. but you can see it here like he is excited to hear what she bought i think we can kind of get an idea that he thinks it's something like he wants to see or wear it or something he thinks she got her some i don't know but it's it's like he's imagining what she got and she's playing it off because she knows what he's thinking. It does make you want to know what is he thinking that that she yeah, bought he's got Yeah, because he's got an interesting look going on. And he's like, and? Right. Like, oh, it was very nice. Well, and being the tech head that he is, it makes you think, does he think that she bought herself a nice car, a new <laughs> TV? <laughs> Where does he go with that line of thinking? Because I doubt he's thinking about a dress. I suppose. Or maybe it was just that I was <laughs> and not him. Might have been me, right. but not Tony. Like it was very nice, very tasteful. Right. I, yeah, I imagine clothing. <laughs> yeah, it could be anything, I guess. It could be. Maybe she got a new plane. It's a very tasteful right. plane. <laughs> well, this is a, another moment where we have another wonderful Favreau transition. I, I think it just it works yeah, really nicely. Like- it's very clean. He hands over his uh, Demitas to her and and walks out as uh, as she turns. And then it cuts to him racing along the road in California. This is the uh, Pacific Coast Highway. Yep. And he is passing Point Mugu, uh, the Mugu Rock. Point Mugu Rock, yeah. yep. Have you ever been there? I've driven past there, and I looked it up today to see where it was, because it's actually, he's driving south, but it is 16.7 miles north of where he lives, or at least where his house is for filming. Right, exactly. I, w- I was piecing all this together, trying to, try to map it to see how logical all this is. It doesn't make any sense. For him to be doing this drive, and it makes no sense, because he's heading to his building, Stark Aviation, but they filmed it at Edwards Air Force Base. And which is north, which is, uh, yeah, it's about northwest, a hundred and something, 118 miles northwest. It is is very far away. And so all of this, if you map it out, it's a completely illogical drive. So obviously it's all fake locations and, and that's fine. Yeah. But I, I just it's fun to map it out and realize that it, none of this makes any sense. I was looking up to try to figure out if they say where Stark Industries is. But most of the information on the internet comes from the comics, and it's not in California. Right, because initially Stark was all on the East Coast, and right. it wasn't until much later where he actually moved over to the West Coast. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, they wanted to move it to the West Coast because they wanted to kind of connect Stark with kind of the whole vibe of everything that was kind of going on with with aviation on the West Coast, with um, yeah. the Spruce Goose, and just kind of all of the things about Howard Hughes, and because Tony kind of felt like that sort of character. And so I can see why they did it. I can see why they wanted to to migrate him out there. Plus, you know, you already had 
Batman in, in Gotham City, which looked kind of like a, you know, a, a DC New York type New of York, city, yeah. even though they didn't film it there. You already have Spider-Man in New York. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that they were trying to find something that felt a little different. And it works for him because it's, yeah, the aviation thing, Hollywood, different parts of his personality all fit there. Yeah. It, like I said, it's Stark Industries Aviation Division. This was Edwards Air Force Base where they filmed it. And the building that he pulls up to is the base operations facility building. It's uh, It really it looks this way. It's a super cool looking building. Interestingly, looking at pictures of it, it looks like they have either they it's so hard to tell. It's so hard to know exactly what they do for these movies. But the actual images of this property now all of the areas where there are grass, it's all like desert landscaping. And so I kept looking at this going, did they CG grass into these two spots that we see here? Or they could have planted some sod or something. They could have thrown sod down, sure. Um, Or, I mean, this was 2008 and we're looking at it in 2018. Yeah, maybe it was a little better. It's entirely possible that they have since re-landscaped it to be a little more water conscious. Yeah, because we've had drought, water issues in California. That doesn't stop the uh, the water team from hosing down all of the uh, the roads and everything. Because as he pulls into the parking lot, it is soaking wet, <laughs> completely soaking wet. Well, that's what you do in Hollywood. It looks good. It looks good. That's why they do it. Yeah. The movie industry. <laughs> There's no other reason. Yeah. <laughs> dry road looks worse, yeah. so they get it wet. Yeah. If you look at uh, the dry road that we have as he's going past Mount uh, or Point uh, Mugu or Mugu Point, and then pulls into the parking lot, I mean, it's it just gives a nice feel to it. It's such a movie thing, and it's completely clear blue skies, but who cares? Let's make it wet anyway, because right. it just looks exactly. sexy. And neither of us know cars, but I had notes on the cars here again, because the script says he's driving the Saline S7, so they had multiple cars specific in the script, right? because he does have one of those, but he's driving the he's driving the Audi R8 here. Right. Well, and I think that boiled down to the fact that they did have that deal with Audi, and so I think that was probably, probably part yeah. of what Audi was expecting, is that he would be driving the Audis, because you see the Saline in his lineup of cars, but... Right, yeah. and then Happy's driving a 2004 Rolls-Royce Phantom. Right, and that, the Rolls-Royce Phantom, the base price for that is $320,000. <laughs> All very expensive vehicles. And I love that the Audi, the license plate is Stark 4. Yeah, Stark 4. Yeah. I couldn't tell what the license plate on the Rolls-Royce was. It yeah. goes by too fast. Yeah, I couldn't tell either. Because it doesn't have one on the front of the car. Right, right. I, I do like the little bit that, you know, he had to cut across Mulholland. Which is completely wrong. And I was looking at maps, trying to figure this out, going, does that make any sense? Because if, I mean, I, Mulholland is a much longer road than I realized. Like there's Mulholland Drive and then there's Mulholland Parkway. And it looks like it just like is a little mountain road in some places. It winds across the top of the road. Yeah, so I guess it in some context it could make sense if you had to actually cut across. In the middle of the night, maybe. Well, I was like, maybe (laughs) he has to cut across this insanely ridiculous road. I I feel like it's an LA joke because I feel like you have to in order to catch up with Tony, he had to cut across this insanely ridiculous road across the top of a mountain to actually catch up. Like, I feel like there's some humor there that a lot of people who don't live in LA might not get. It's almost, I think being in LA, I think it would have been funnier if it somehow Tony had taken Mulholland and that's how he lost him. Because Mulholland, you don't take Mulholland to get anywhere. You cross Mulholland, you go past Mulholland, it's not a shortcut. Right. It's always busy, except like maybe at very middle of the day and then like middle of the night. So then that makes me wonder. And it's nowhere near Edwards Air Force Base. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but then that makes me wonder, is that a another joke on as far as who happy is? 
right? Like, is it saying something <laughs> about the decisions that Happy makes as far as, oh yeah, I had to, I had to cut across on Mulholland. Although Tony's reaction to that is like, oh, okay. Like, I got you. Uh, I got you. I just read it as instead of like, I had to cut across Mulholland as like a shortcut to catch up. Maybe that's why he lost him is because Happy took the more scenic route. <laughs> he, was, he knew where they were going. He'd get there eventually. Although he's awfully close. He does a pretty good job, uh, you know, considering. Yeah. At the end, he's right behind right, him. Because we see him pretty much on his tail as they're, as they're going uh, past um, Point Mugu or Mugu Point, and then he pulls in right behind him. So he does a yeah. good job. He gets lost, but he finds him all in relationship of their entire drive. He's there at the beginning. He's there at the end. Right. So it worked out. Yeah. Edwards Air Force Base is a very film-friendly location. Films have been filming there for quite a while. The Right Stuff filmed there. More recently, Armageddon. And even more recently, Transformers. So it's a it's a place that uh, they've been very friendly to companies that wanted to come out there and film. I think part of that is that uh, they treat the military well and they don't diminish it. And I think that's something that I find anytime a film is is doing that with the military, that the military is much more friendly uh, and lets them do stuff. Yeah, they ha- I think they have a whole a whole department for that now. It's like if you're going to portray them in a positive light, yeah. they'll help you out. And this movie needed it. And they'll let you cast their actual soldiers to be in the film. Yeah. I like it. It's a great base. And I think that they picked a great building to land at. This is the uh, the base operations facility building. And I just, I, I love it's the look nice of this building. Yeah. yeah. And I was looking at it for the longest time. I'm like, it feels CG. Like I was convinced that I was looking at a big CG building that they just lumped into Edwards Air Force Base. Yeah. But as I was poking around, I realized, no, this is the yeah, actual building that's there. When looking at the map, I couldn't find it because from the top, it just looks like other buildings. It's tricky because of that curve. I just Googled Air Force, like Edwards Air Force building, and that's the first one that came up. An interesting fact about Edwards Air Force Base um, this, uh, the largest features of this 470 square miles that make up the base are the Rogers Lake and Rosamond Lake dry lakes. They have served as emergency and scheduled landing sites for all sorts of uh, aerospace projects, including the Bell X-1, the Lockheed U-2, the Lockheed SR-71 Blackbird, and even a space shuttle. Yes, I actually got to see the space shuttle land there like a few oh, times. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, how fascinating. And this is something that just blows my mind. The lake beds have black lines painted on them to Mm -hmm. mark seven official runways and the world's largest compass rose, which is a 2,000-foot radius, 4,000-foot in diameter giant compass that's painted on the ground. And you can see it. Yeah, on Google Maps, I was like, what is that? And then I realized it's on the ground. And I was looking at it for the longest time. I'm going, I think that that's not actually there. But then I kept zooming in. I'm like, Apparently no, it no, is, yeah. I can tell that this was actually painted there. That's crazy, but it's super cool. So that is uh, Edwards Air Force Base. It's this this uh, little set that they put here. And uh, we get the Boeing business jet, the Stark International Written on the side, tomorrow, today. That's on the <laughs> on the on the script, the the way that it's written, and uh, also in the script, he uh, his excuse to Rhodey when he gets here, he says, "Sorry, pal, car, car trouble. trouble." Before Rhodey says anything, yeah, and, and I think that this bit that he actually ended up with about had to do a little piece for Vanity Fair. <laughs> it's very funny, and it just feels so Tony. It's such an off. <laughs> it's an awful line if you think about it but it is great because it it's what he would say it's exactly tony and that's the thing that uh, as we've talked about in earlier minutes 
this is what Stan Lee was really going for when he created Tony Stark, is making this character that you just hated back in the time when they made him this rich industrialist who is uh, helping the military yeah. and who is this playboy. And it was against everything that the Vietnam protesters didn't want. It was against everything their readers didn't want. But then he turns him into a superhero. I think they do a really right. good job of finding a way to transition all of that into a present-day industry tycoon. Yeah, with the big arms dealer, it yeah, works. it's great. This version. We do get to the airplane here. It is a Boeing business jet 737, although it has been modified with CG. It looks like at the top of it, on the back of the uh, the tail, that there is like an extra engine over the tail. It's, it's a funky huh. thing. Like it looks like there's a funky curved intake over the back there. It's an interesting addition to the plane, but... It's trying to show us that it's a Stark plane. Exactly. I think that's the idea, is this is a guy who tinkers with everything, and surely he's messed with this plane, too. Oh, yeah. We were talking a little bit about uh, Ramin Jawadi earlier in the earlier scene. This is, we get that fantastic, uh, very heavy electric guitar track called Merchant of Death that uh, kicks in as he's racing along the road is that the one it was that's what it is yeah okay it doesn't pick up at the beginning of the track i found part of driving with the top down sounded similar and so i didn't i don't think i got to that one well it's kind of funny because it picks up in a weird spot on the track everything that i was uh, looking at pointed to that track and as i listened to it i could i could find the right place for it just in case you didn't mention the caught doing a piece for vanity fair like that she works Uh for vanity fair it should be noted in case you didn't say it when she was introduced a couple minutes ago. Yes, she works for Vanity Fair. Like, that's the line. She's the piece. Right, <laughs> she is the piece. And uh, we did mention that earlier because what's interesting is that in the comic books, she works, she works for the Daily, the Daily Bugle. Daily Bugle. Yeah. yeah. But that was still tied up with Spider-Man. Well, it's interesting because like that is one of those things where is that just saying Daily Bugle, can that get them in trouble with Sony? I mean, I guess back in 2008, they were at a place where they weren't even going to mess with other properties. So right, that's, that's probably why they just didn't even bother. Well, and they, there's certain parts of each property that one owns more than the others. And like Spider-Man, J. Jonah Jameson, Daily Bugle, those would be specific things that they would not be able to touch. Right. And so they just wouldn't. So they'd use Vanity Fair because they could. Yeah, right, right. And what's nice about that, honestly, which... I think helps the case of this film establishing it very much in the real world, the kind of the our world. Yeah. Is we have all those other magazines, those real magazines that we see in the in the montage at the award ceremony earlier in the film. And they're all real magazines. And then we throw right. Vanity Fair in, it's also a real magazine. It just further establishes this as something that's taking place in the real real world as opposed to something that feels very much more like a comic book world. And it also puts an interesting angle that Vanity Fair wants to deal with Tony when he's this like industrial tycoon. Yeah, It's right. not normally what they go for, so it tells you something about who Tony is, too. Yeah, it tells you a lot about the, the personality. The man, the playboy, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's very both. interesting. This is good stuff. And, and of course, we get just continued great relationship building. <laughs> I guess we'll call it, or relationship deconstruction going on between Tony and Rhodey and yeah. just the absolute frustration. Three that, hours. Three hours. And he just repeats it. <laughs> which we've seen every time. And that's all we've ever really seen between these two characters, <laughs> which is is very funny. 
Well, I don't have anything else for this minute. Do you have anything else? Just the very last thing because of the way the minutes cut for this show. The last shot is Tony reaching out his hand to Rhodey. Yes. And I don't remember what happens exactly next because it's been a few months since I watched the movie as the whole thing. And I'm assuming he's going to like shake his hand and apologize, but that's not, I, I doubt that. But yes, but would Tony <laughs> do that? <laughs> no. <laughs> what would Tony do? Not that. Grab him and pull him down the stairs. <laughs> Well, Robert, what's your uh, what's your background with the MCU? Did you jump on board from the beginning, or did you kind of come in late? No, I saw every I think every one of them opening weekend, and then when in um, Infinity War came out, I watched the whole all of them over again. I've been going through the whole run again with the kids, and uh, we just finished Spider Man Homecoming, so nice. we're getting so into that home stretch. Just a few more movies to to plow through, but uh, it's been fun to revisit them all. Oh, yeah. What would you say is your favorite after revisiting all of them again recently? Or do you have multiple favorites? It, uh, different kinds of favorites. I think the most fun of in terms of favorites is probably Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what might be the better film, it might be the first Iron Man or maybe... I almost said Thor Ragnarok, but that's more of an entertaining thing. It has structural issues. Infinity War is maybe the better film. It has so much going on that it couldn't do without all the other movies, but it works. Yeah, it somehow balances a lot of story threads Yeah, and a lot of characters. It's impressive. And as I go through them, I find my tastes shifting. I generally enjoy all of them, but... I do find that I'm drawn to different ones for different reasons. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think that's a lot of fun going through it again, going, ooh, now that one, I kind of, that one might be higher on my list now and, and seeing it shift around. And just really a lot of it, I think, just depends on, on mood too. You know, am I in the mood for something that's just a really fun, wild, raucous ride or something that is a little more mind bending or a little more serious or action y or whatever? Right. So. And after years of everyone saying how bad Thor The Dark World was, I actually kind of enjoyed it more watching it again this year, I think. Yeah, I didn't have any issues with it when I watched it. I mean, you know, I, I, there are some issues, but it's, it's nothing special. I didn't have the issues that I had the first time. Yeah. It's not like it's a badly made. It's just it's not doing anything that interesting. Kind of like yeah. Iron Man 2. It's not doing too much. I mean, stuff with the Mandarin's cool, but no, that's the third one. That's the third one. That's Whiplash. Wow, what's in the, the second one? one? Whiplash. The whiplash with Mickey Rourke. Oh, and him having trouble with the thing in his in his chest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm mixing them up again. There's so many of them. Uh, but that's <laughs> but that's kind of my point is the second one is sort of forgettable, but it does. You watch it again. It's got cool stuff in there. It it's, does. It has a lot of cool stuff. It yeah. has uh, a lot more of of Rhodey in that one too. Yeah. They're both flying around and a whole bunch of suits flying around. Oh, and the big fight at the end. Yeah. yeah. Well, Robert, thank you so much for coming and being a part of the show. And, and uh, yeah, it's great. It's great having conversation with you about uh, about these three minutes. <laughs> Any uh, last place that you'd like to uh, plug and send people to tune into some of your stuff? Uh, Michael Myers Minute. Find on Twitter at Myers Minute, Instagram at Michael Myers Minute, or uh, Dave made a minute. Uh, Andy's in both, and Pete's in that one. <laughs> I haven't had him on Michael Myers yet, but maybe I will. Uh, Dave made it at Dave made a minute on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, where we're looking at the movie Dave made a maze and people are looking at minutes out of context just to make it interesting. And it's fun. It's a very fun one. I would highly recommend it. Well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the next reel. 
And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash the next reel. Until next time, true believers. Thank you.